Hi everyone and welcome to the Fintech Germany Award podcast. I'm Alexandra, your host today, and we will provide you with insights on the award, our jury members and latest trends in the industry. Today I am sitting in Cologne with Alex von Frankenberg, who is the managing director of the Hightech Gründerfonds. Welcome and good morning, Alex. Hi, Alexandra. Happy to be here. Great. Okay, I have some things that I want to ask you today that our listeners want to hear and we want to give an impression on the fintech scene, on the fintech space, want to have some insights on what's going on. But first, of course, I would like to start with you. So give us a short intro of your person and what you're doing at the Hightech Gründerfonds. So, so I personally worked in fintech and technology all my life. So before I studied business in Mannheim and Texas, I worked in the bank as an apprentice. So I learned the retail banking uh, by scratch. And then I worked in strategy and IT consulting. IT consulting, a uh, long time ago, we implemented a credit card processing system uh, in, in, at the German credit card processor on, on a mainframe. It was COBOL programming mainframe. And then I moved on to venture capital. Uh, how, for, did, how did you get into venture capital? Well, the way I got into it was uh, in 99, I worked for Siemens Management Consulting. And then someone came along and said, well, we need to build an incubator. And then my project was to build an incubator, which we did in 2000. And I then moved uh, as head of sales in one of the companies out of the incubator selling basically data warehouse systems, which was not successful because there was 9-11 and then we didn't sell much. To be honest, nothing. We didn't even get appointments <laughs> because everything shut down. And then I went back to corporate technology in Siemens and we built startups with a company building exercise out of technology that no one wanted within Siemens. Uh, and that was very successful because we saw great technology, great setup, some money, And then we saw, even in very difficult times, uh, that the startups could take off. And then 2005, HGDF started, and I saw a great future uh, because it was very similar, like great technologies, great setup, some money, and then the startups would take off. And that's what happened. How did the fund start? So what was the history around that? Could you give us some more details? Chancellor Schroeder in 2004 said, we need to be more competitive on innovation. And then there were a, a, a group of, of experts around several innovation topics. And one of them was financing startups, which didn't exist anymore in Germany. Because in 2004 and five there were like 20 VC seed financing done in, in German tech startups, almost nothing. And then uh, one of the expert groups said, well, let's set up a fund who, who does that. And that's Hightech Gründer Fund. And from the very beginning, it was not just government money because in that expert groups, there was also industry, uh, corporate venture uh, experienced industry, uh, large companies, and they participated also in the fund. So that's the HDF1, public-private partnerships, some private contribution. And now we just closed our fourth fund, which is much bigger. Um, we have almost 150 million from private investors, family offices, large and small companies, and then uh, lots of money from the government. So it adds up to three, to 500 million. And we will deploy that over the next five years in 40 startups per year, 
200 startups. Okay. Is that compared to other vehicles that we have in Germany? Are you one of the largest funds of that kind? Yeah, we're one of the largest and we're one of the most active. Okay. So we do 200 investments out of one fund and that's a number that no one does. And we've been doing this now for 18 years. So we, we passed 700 uh, seed investments a few weeks ago. And that makes us different uh, and, and that allows us to cover a broad range of technologies. So we invest in in hardware-related industrial tech companies, in biotech, and in all kinds of software companies. And part of the software field is also fintech and blockchain and insurtech. So tech is the, the utmost important thing of your DNA for yeah. the fund. So the tech is... Tech and disruptive innovation out of tech and uh, business models. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the seed phase. So we love to invest in very early startups. What do you mean very early? Just uh, because we have, uh, of course, some listeners that maybe start companies right now that are also looking for financing and yeah. maybe um, they are interested in what you're doing in that respect. So what do you mean by very early? Very early really means that almost half of the companies we end up investing in when we first meet them, they're not even founded yet as a company. Not even okay, that's very early. That's yes. very early. <laughs> so the, the upper limit is three years. So a company's... A company, once we meet the company, if it's older than three years from incorporation, then we are not allowed to invest anymore. So between zero and three years. That's Because that's your investment thesis that you have once set up for the funds. Yeah, that's basically a very easy and uncomplicated definition of the seed phase. So sometimes, of course, if they're like two and a half years old, they're not really, really seed anymore. Uh, but, you know, it, it's hard to define what is really seed. So it's easy, zero to three years. No revenue is fine. Some revenue is also fine. Okay, very, very good. Then um, I would like to hear what is your motivation in that respect as well, why you participate as a jury member in the Fintech Germany Award? I think there's many, many reasons. First of all, we see a great, uh, what we call deal flow. So there's a huge number of applications and it's really interesting to see all the different ideas. Uh, some are new, some are not new, some are... Uh, very, very smart. Some, of course, are, are not that promising, but it's all, always interesting to see the trends and the spectrum of ideas that, that come up. And then, of course, through the process, we try to pick out the, the best ones, the most promising ones. And, and these are really, really great uh, to, to, to learn, of course, and if, 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 if it's an opportunity for us to invest, uh, it's, it's great deal flow for, for our portfolio. There's great partners associated with the award. It's the it's a, a good set of the German fintech ecosystem. So it's it's good to you know expand the network, get to know the people, uh, make connections. Whom of the people would you not have visited or met in the business world if it was not for the fintech Germany award? Is there anyone? I, I think uh, quite a few. I've been a member of the jury for a number of years, and quite a few. Uh, that that I met in the jury, I I haven't known before. Um, like you know, some banks, the 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 sponsors. Um, and oh, we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And 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 really, it's not just meeting them; it's getting to know them during the jury discussions, making a bit more intense con connections as you know, as if you meet them just on a on a conference and you just talk for a few minutes and then you, you walk on. So I think the jury is great. And, 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 and then really the ecosystem at the, at the event, there's uh, a few hundred people and then everybody's really interesting. So 
So I think it's really a good uh, step into the fintech ecosystem in Germany. What trends do you currently see as extremely relevant in the upcoming periods? And what problems should startups solve in your view next? The good news really is, it's also bad news, but it's really good news from a startup perspective. There's many, many problems in the fintech industries in in general, but also in Germany. So we see all kinds of problems in the banking system. We see problems in the insurance system. Uh, you know, we had huge problems through the negative interest rate phase, that which is changing, which also creates a bunch of problems. Then we have lots of, I guess, challenges to government regulation, which is necessary in a way, because uh, we've seen, uh, you know, some many years ago, you know, there was too little regulation in some fields and then bad things happened. And <clears throat> all these challenges in the fintech industries provide opportunities for startups to solve them. So I think that's a very good point. You know, as an entrepreneur, you walk around and you see people complaining, which you hear a lot in Germany, Germany. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you see people, you hear people complaining and that's positive because, you know, you, you might address that complaint, solve the, the the underlying issues. And and I think that's a good angle to uh, <clears throat> to approach uh, setting up a company. Another approach, I mean, everybody talks about AI and uh, you almost don't want to talk about it anymore, but very obviously in the, in the fintech space, there's lots of data. And lots of data, you can uh, somehow use it. You know, of course, you have to regard the data protection regulation, which is... A problem also, but then also a strength because we develop skills to observe the data protection regulations that maybe other companies, like maybe from the US or mm -hmm. so, don't have. So it, it turns into a strength. So, so we, you you would say, okay, yes, we might not be the fastest at the moment, but we are doing the stuff the most secure. Yeah, the most secure and the most compliant. And of course, uh, data protection regulation does make sense. Uh, which we see in, in other areas where there's no protection, maybe like China or so. So, so. so lots of data and using the data is a bit complicated, but, but then it's not that complicated. And then you put AI on the data and you probably generate know-how, results, skills, processes that change The, the business models that change the, the value chains. And I think there's huge opportunities. Very easy to see is, of course, um, customer service. You know, when you talk to, to the bank. To yeah, the we have a lot to improve there. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so again, a problem. People complain about the customer service. And then all of a sudden you talk to an AI-powered chatbot that you hardly know it's not a, not a person. And then you get a great customer service all of a sudden, or the customer service is supported and, mm -hmm. and makes us a better job. I think also you know, some processes are some you know, and they, they take time and they could maybe sped up through automation, through AI. Mm -hmm. So there's huge opportunities. That's I mean, good to hear. That's if, really good to hear. If you send money around from Europe to Africa, it takes... I don't know, five days, seven days? It takes two days even in Germany. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't understand that. But um, 
Yeah, I'm hearing, I'm hearing from you a slightly somehow frustrated bank customer. <laughs> so uh, whoever is listening and is servicing Alex, maybe you can catch up with him on, on customer service and AI. And when you tell us all that, uh, which is absolutely right, and I agree with you, but how do you see then the German market per se for startups, for founding new companies? I mean, wouldn't some of them just say, okay, we move out of Germany because there's just too much regulation, it's too costly and the funding landscape is changing now. So, so what do you see in that respect? Does this scare you at the moment? Do you see companies that go out of Germany where you would really like to see them stay here? The German market is large. I mean, it's like more than 80 uh, million people on average. They, they do have money, so there's lots of potential in, in Germany and, and there's lots of underserved segments. So 15% of the German households have stocks. So that's, that's a problem, of course, but then... It's Because a, it's not enough. Exactly. It's a huge opportunity. In Sweden, it's like 80%. Okay. So, so, and we see that with the younger generation uh, using, you know, uh, uh, new apps and, and new banking solutions, trading stocks, buying stocks. So, so definitely there's uh, lots of... Um, pockets that are underserved so so uh, it's clear that it has been clear for many years but but it, it becomes even clearer now that you have to uh, organize your 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 pension money by yourself because the government systems um, are under pressure <clears throat> and 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 so that's a huge opportunity for for banking solutions long-term investing Uh, solutions with some risk, some opportunity, but then they need to be safe once you approach retirement uh, age. A huge opportunity. Of course, insurance is important and then um, you need maybe s smaller scale insurances mm -hmm. that, that new, need new sales channels. So I think there's uh, there's many, many opportunities in Germany, but then of course you're totally right. There's many, many opportunities outside of the world. I think two or three billion people on earth have no access to the financial system. So if you provide access to the financial system for three billion, woohoo, that's a lot. And But that's there then new technologies kick in with blockchain AI because it enables a larger group of people to be banked yeah, in the future? Exactly. You can just leapfrog the traditional banking system, the retail banking system. You don't have to go to a to to a physical location uh, and in Africa they just leapfrog that and then use it from from their mobile phone and then yes uh, if they don't get a regular bank account the next step is really to have uh, some type of blockchain solution that's independent of the classical banking structure yes of course Okay, so um, because I, I also heard from people that don't have passports, that are refugees or um, in any kind of struggling situation where you just cannot uh, identify yourself, but uh, you, you still need some bank accounts or services. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we always think from a European or German perspective and everything, yeah, payment is very easy and, and banks are fairly solid and no problems. But really, if you think about uh, other Uh, situations, other other areas of the world, uh, I, I think it's a big issue that you don't want to have your money in a organization that can easily take it away from you. Absolutely. So your bank account is, gets frozen and you have no money. So so at that point, uh, cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin, uh, could really help you if you have to flee your country, which unfortunately, I think a few hundred million people on earth are affected. How do you take your wealth? 
you know, you, you cannot take your money out of the country, out of the bank. The banks maybe are closed, there's capital controls. So if you have a Bitcoin wallet, you can very easily take your wealth out of a very troubled region. And and it's, it, and, and just to, to, to make the point, uh, if, if they search you at the border, uh, you could memorize the private key Uh, the seed words and take it in your brain and no one could take it away. And I think that's a big issue for a few hundred people on earth. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And that's what I love about the FinTech Germany Award as well, because we as a jury um, or jury members, we are able to see at so many different problems solving great startups from insurances to Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, wallet security, identity issues. So um, the, the range at the FinTech Germany Award is, is really, really abroad. One question on that uh, for you as well, Alex. Have you been done with the list of all the fintechs yet? No, no, no. <laughs> I haven't even started. I, okay, me actually, neither. <laughs> actually, before I, before I drove to Cologne, I, I looked at my computer and I checked what the deadline is. And uh, Yeah, we have some weeks. Um, it's August 31st. And I thought, oh, luckily not July 31st, because okay. today is August 1st. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we, we have some more weeks. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy that this year we have some more time. Mm. I, I remember it from some of the years uh, back, like one week and then mm. it was sleepless nights because there were so many great companies on the lists. I would get on with one other category today in our podcast and uh, I asked the community on LinkedIn if there's anything they would like to get to know. So they didn't know who I'm interviewing today, so they didn't know it is you. But I have one question from Simona and she would like to hear from you. Maybe you know the interview with Peter Thiel, Zero to One. And she wants to know what important truth do very few people agree with you on? It's a very good question. I, I met Peter Thiel uh, at a conference 10 years ago in uh, 2013. And, and he described that situation and I was to the whole conference thinking, you know, what's an important truth that I know and nobody else knows? And I was thinking, yeah, well, you know, we'll have robotics and, and also back then artificial intelligence and this and that. And I, I, being honest to myself at the conference, I thought, well, you know, it's something that everybody agrees on and I didn't find anything special. And I was like, oh shit, we are, do, we are doing startup investments and I don't find anything special in terms of an investment uh, thesis that Peter Thiel is looking for, except for one thing. What I found as 2013, I thought the financial system is under very, very heavy pressure. And back then, it was around the Cyprus crisis, where Cyprus was mm -hmm. going bankrupt, and all the money from the bank accounts exceeding 100,000 uh, euros was taken away from from the depositors. And <clears throat> and And I think... It is still true, 10 years later, that the banking system is, not the, the, the banking, the financial system is under very heavy pressure. Uh, we see just the last few days that the interest rates in, in Japan uh, are almost out of control in a way that the central bank uh, of Japan cannot uh, keep it at a certain level anymore. 
uh, we have seen we we've seen just a few days ago no one noticed that that another regional bank in in, in US was taken over uh, which one Um, which one? I don't know the name, but it, it's one of the. Okay, but I I did not hear it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you didn't hear it, and, and and I'm I'm working in in the banking sphere. Yeah, yeah. So. there was one of the regional banks mm -hmm. was being taken over. The stock fell like 30% percent one day, and the next day was taken over. You can research it, and and we have seen uh, British pension funds getting under heavy pressure because the. 10-year yield of the British uh, government bonds in March uh, got a little bit out of control and then they got under liquidity pressure somehow. So they had to be sort of bailed out. Um, and so I think in many, many ways, the financial... I mean, we see you know, the, 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 the debt exploding in the US, interest payments exploding. The, the US is paying one billion, uh, one trillion, one billion, I mean, one trillion trillion US uh, in interest rates this year. And if you look at the chart, it looks like uh, it looks like hyperinflation 100 years ago, the, the value of the, the German marks. It's an exponential growth of debt and interest payments. So <clears throat> I, I think it's still true. And I think no, not so many people agree on it. I think the, the financial system is under heavy pressure. And that's a very positive way to, to say it. And out of that, I think there's huge opportunities, of course, also huge problems, huge opportunities uh, for startups evolving. And it, it evolves around, of course, in my personal view, getting some some of your assets de-risked or mm -hmm. out of the system. And then I, I, I come back to Bitcoin. If you have Bitcoin, it's out of the system. You know, if a bank fails, then uh, your money might be gone. Uh, and, and Bitcoin as a technology might fail. I think the, the, the chances are very, very, very low, but it hasn't failed uh, in the last 14 years and it's totally out of the system. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I really think the view that the traditional financial system is under heavy pressure and might rearrange themselves uh, is a gigantic opportunity for entrepreneurs. Especially in the crypto sphere. In the crypto sphere, there might be new institutions popping mm -hmm. up. If traditional banks uh, fail, there might be new intermediaries popping up because it's not everybody's thing to manage their like private keys. There might be new, uh, might be custody solutions. Uh, there might be new intermediaries. There might might be the need for education, uh, how to learn about. Uh, Alternatives to the cl classical banking uh, mm -hmm. or financial system. Uh, yes, and yes, and I'm very, very, very bullish around uh, Bitcoin because it's it's not inflationary, and we see okay. inflation is still significant. So, um, if I get back maybe to our potential listeners, then it's a good opportunity when you are trying to break these things up in a classical banking system or maybe if you are in a hybrid situation. I mean, we all have seen that with FTX as well. What happens if you just focus on, on one area and if you do it really badly, of course, and not professional. Um, but in Germany, what I see, we have a lot of firms that are regulated in that area that are doing a pretty good job and that are also focusing on the classical banking and on alternatives like um Crypto, but yeah, from what I have heard now from you, I would um, apply it to the FinTech <laughs> Germany Award, of course, next year, if you haven't done it this year. And also maybe to knock on the door of Hightech Gründerfonds 
if you are under three years. Yeah, under three years. And you know, if you're not even founded yet, you can still talk to us. You can get first feedback. I guess that's that's going to help a lot of uh, listeners um, in, in, in that area. And um, I'm uh, very happy for the insights that we got of you today. But one last question, <laughs> very one, one last, I promise. Is there anything, any question we should ask the next podcast guest? So the next one, of course, is the jury member. Yep. You don't know who it is, but um, is there anything we should ask? I know who it is, and he's a great entrepreneur. And I think you should ask him what was his worst and what, what is his best investment. Decision. Worst and best investment. Okay. Yep. We take that with us. Thank you, Alex, for your time today and your insights. And see you soon on the jury work and on stage on our live event later that year. Thank you, Alexandra. It was great. Thanks. <laughs>